Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. When you look at the potential loss of farmland in Wisconsin, it's the equivalent of losing 2,400 farms and a loss of potentially $377 million in farm output. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Wisconsin is on two top 12 lists that aren't necessarily good to be on. Wisconsin is listed as the 12th state in the country in terms of total acres likely to be converted by 2024 from farmland to residential use. It also ranks seventh in terms of the best quality land expected to be converted. Chris Coffin, director of National Agricultural Land Network and American Farmland Trust Senior Policy Advisor, shares more on their report related to farmland conversion and what this means for the future. What it means is that the farmers and citizens of Wisconsin need to pay attention to this report because it's a warning sign about the future, not just of farmland in the state, but what that means for the agricultural industry as a whole. This is not just an issue specific to Wisconsin. Our report was Farms Under Threat 2040, Choosing an Abundant Future. It was released this past summer, and it's part of research done by AFT that is a multi-year effort to advance solutions for farmland protection. And what we did was we used high-resolution spatial analysis tools to identify where agricultural land has been converted and where it is likely to be converted into the future. So for the Midwest as a whole, the Midwest could lose over 3 million acres to development by the year 2040 per our projection. This is true throughout the Midwest when we look at the states most impacted by potential development. Ohio was the number one, followed by Wisconsin, and then followed by Michigan. Wisconsin is rated 12th in the nation. And what that meant is that of all of the states, we looked at the rate of likely conversion, and that was conversion both to urban and highly developed land, and then low-density residential development. So we looked at these two types of threats, and what we found in Wisconsin is that it's a lot of particularly this low-density residential development that is fueling quite a bit of the likely conversion going forward. So that is a concern, and again, what we hope that this report does is to shed light on the fact that this is a concern for the state and to point out those counties that are particularly at risk and to suggest ways that the state and communities can address this loss. What is the cause for farmland conversion? What all is included and why is it becoming more of a thing here in the Midwest? Well, that's a very good question. And I think that there are a number of reasons. What we looked at in our report is conversion in a number of different ways. So essentially, we are in Wisconsin, as in across the country, we are not making effective use of the land we have. And what that means is that land is being converted as cities and larger towns and even smaller towns begin to fall in that residential and commercial and industrial development sort of seep out from center cities. That's one cause of conversion. The other cause, which is becoming a more pervasive threat, is the scattered large lot residential development that you see spread up 
in rural areas and suburban areas. And it can be sort of large farmette, things that are on five acres or 10 acres. And the challenge with that kind of development is that it makes it much harder for the farmers who remain on that land to farm. And so while some of these smaller, what we might call hobby farms or even very small parcels can be used for agriculture. What this study is showing is that this sort of low-density development, once agricultural land becomes or is scattered with this large lot residential development, it typically ends up being further developed into more highly developed land, which puts it out of the reach of agriculture entirely. So those are the two. I would note that in Wisconsin, as elsewhere, there is an increased threat of solar development. To make it clear, American Farmland Trust support solar development because we believe it is crucial for America's energy future to include solar. That said, what we really are trying to see in our smart solar siting is to encourage solar first to be put on the built environment, on buildings, on marginal land, and to avoid the very best farmland. And where it is not possible to avoid putting solar on the very best farmland, to then be sure that we're doing that solar development in a way that allows for agriculture to continue. So what we call dual-use solar that can combine solar production as well as agriculture underneath it. Or at least you'd be thinking about solar development in a way that we are building it and decommissioning it in a way that will allow it to return to agriculture in the future. What actions can be taken to reduce the footprint of residential and commercial development on productive farmland? There are many actions and there are a lot of recommendations in our Farms Under Threat 2040 report. And effectively, what we are saying in the report is that we need to reduce the footprint of development on our most productive farmland. And the way that we talk about our recommendations is that we need to do a number of things. We need to grow smarter. That means to think more about compact development. How can we contain more development in the already existing urban and suburban areas and continue to grow? And we know it's possible from examples around the country. So that's number one. American Farmland Trust understands that we need housing, economic development of all kinds. So we're not saying don't develop. We're just saying be smarter about where you develop. The second thing is we need to be more focused on protecting our best farmland. And that can be done both by permanently protecting the best of the best, as well as thinking about land use planning and zoning that will protect those resources. So that's number two. Number three is we need to be smart about where we are siting that land. And so what we are suggesting is to site it on marginal land, on infrastructure that already exists, and where it can't be avoided in terms of putting it on farmland, put it on the most marginal land or try and make it be dual use so it's supporting both energy production and agricultural land. And then two more things that I would mention. One is we need to care about the profitability of agriculture. If farmers can't make a living, they are more likely to sell their land or look to lease it. We need to be focused on the profitability of the industry as a whole. And we're 
related to that, we need to focus on the future generation because of the aging population of American farmers. So what are the ways that we can be supporting a generational transfer that is going to keep farmland in farming as it changes hands and ownership from one generation to the next? Just thinking about profitability in agriculture isn't enough to necessarily save the land base. For many farmers who are land rich and cash poor, their land is their equity. And when we think about permanent farmland protection and those tools where a farmer can sell and conservation easement and extract some of the equity from their land, that can help to transfer land to a next generation. That can help to reinvest some of the proceeds from that sale of an easement back into the viability of the farm or allow the farm to expand. So when we talk about farmland protection, it's not just a way to protect the agricultural land base. It's a way to improve profitability for farm families, and it's a way to help transition land. That was Chris Coffin with American Farmland Trust. You can learn more about protecting farmland by going to their website at farmland.org. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.